Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And if you would like to know more about the CCB, as it is affectionately known, you can send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. <clears throat> That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. And uh, we usually have lots of things going on. Things have kind of taken a different direction thanks to COVID-19, but we still meet once a month uh, on Zoom and have a chat and that sort of thing. So uh, if you are either blind or uh, partially sighted and you want information just to sit and chat maybe with some of the members, then uh, drop an email to that email address and uh, we'll get you going. So today we're going to dig back into the archives to uh, a show that we presented on September 21st, I believe it was, of 2019. And uh, I found this very interesting. It's about hearing loss. And uh, we had uh, Kelly Keene with us from Hearing Life Canada. And uh, I explain how I came to find her so I won't uh, steal my own thunder. (laughs) So that's where we'll go now, is that show from uh, September 23rd. Anyway, one day uh, in early summer, it may have been even late spring, I got a phone call out of the blue from Hearing Life Canada, and they wanted to know if I would be interested in a free hearing test. So I thought, well, hey, I haven't had one for eons, and I'm a senior now, so why not? If it's free, why not? So I went and uh, got my hearing uh, tested, and uh, fortunately, I still have pretty much as uh, good hearing as I ever did. And while I was there, I said to Kelly... Um, why don't uh, you come on uh, Insight Peterborough with us in September and and we can talk a little bit about hearing loss. So with us today we have Kelly Keene from Hearing Life Canada. Hi Kelly, how are you? Good, how are you? Thank you for having me today. (laughs) Glad you could come. Yeah, wonderful. How uh, prevalent do you figure hearing loss is? Well, there's actually been um, a lot of research on that, a lot of research on this field in general a lot lately. Um, Stats Canada is showing that 20% of Canadians have hearing loss, and that's all ages across the board. Um, And that's the most recent number we're seeing. Uh, Once you get over the age of 60, that number creeps up to about 47% of Canadians that have hearing loss. What would be some of the causes, uh, say, in younger 
people to begin with. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of causes for hearing loss. Um, a lot of people think it's something that someone actually did to themselves to cause the hearing loss, but there's a lot of genetic issues that can cause hearing loss, um, especially in younger individuals. Uh, a lot of noise exposure as well can cause a hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, age-related is very common as well as we get older, uh, but we see a lot of individuals who've worked in factories uh, most of their lives, work in construction. Um, even at a young age, uh, when they start when they're 16, not everybody wears hearing protection and can cause a lot of damage to your ears. And well, That would be uh, any kind of occupation absolutely. that, you know, a lot of noise around. Mm-hmm. A lot. It's not just factory construction workers. Even we're starting to see things like people working in restaurants or bars uh, wow. expose a lot of noise uh, throughout their shift. Uh, and a lot of people like to go to concerts and listen to their music loud. Really reg- loud. <laughs> re- really loud on a regular basis. And we're going to start seeing those effects as well. Or in their cars. In their mm-hmm. <sighs> it's towns. crazy. Mm-hmm. When you can hear... The song playing in the next car. It is true. That's a sign that it might be a little bit on the loud side. Yes. Yeah. Do you find that much of the hearing loss is due to, say, uh, childhood ear infections and that sort of thing? Uh, Not as much as you think. Mm -hmm. Um, It can have some lasting effects. Uh, We're seeing more of those individuals who had things like rubella or had serious ear infections that didn't get treated Mm -hmm. a lot uh, when they were younger. Um, Obviously, medicine has advanced quite a bit, and we can do a lot to help that as children. Um, But not as many people that have that kind of effects uh, cause for hearing loss these days. Yeah, I guess because there is such good medications, and uh, people are maybe more inclined to go to the doctor, do you think? Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. It's being caught a lot earlier and treated more efficiently for kids these days, for sure. Yeah. And I noticed that the uh, hearing aids themselves are not as ugly. <laughs> That's <laughs> as, a good way to put it. it. To That's very true. Uh, technology moves just like any technology, cell phones, cars, all those things. The hearing aids are getting smaller and more attractive. Um, and more people want to wear them when they're like that. Mm-hmm. I had heard that if you go to a concert or are exposed to some kind of loud noise and you come away from it and your ears are ringing, that that is a sign that some damage has been done. Is that right? That is actually true. Uh, if it's permanent damage, we're not sure, and it depends on how often uh, you have that exposure, but it's called temporary threshold shift where you mm-hmm. kind of have a hearing loss after leaving a concert or and your ears are ringing like crazy yeah. um, and you feel like you can't hear it's it's actually your hearing is reduced because you did a lot of damage to your little hair cells in your ears mm-hmm. um, it can bounce back but if you're doing that repeatedly multiple times a week uh, sometimes they don't come back how about um, people like myself <laughs> that do the bad thing of putting Q-tips and that in their ear. What about that? That's a very thing, a very common thing. We all love the feeling of cleaning our ears with Q-tips. Uh, the problem is when you do have wax in your ears and you push Q-tip in there, you're going to push the wax even further and you impact it. And wax can become like cement. Uh, and the more you pack that in, the harder it is to get out. And how do you, what would you recommend instead of 
mm-hmm. using my Q-tips. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to get away from Q-tips because I know they feel really good. Um, but there's uh, actually our ears are supposed to be self-cleaning. Um, it's supposed to let the wax come out on their own. That doesn't happen for everyone. Um, but having using things like drops of oil, uh, mineral oil, even olive oil in your ears to soften the wax at nighttime, uh, letting some you know, room temperature, body temperature, water run into your ears to help it flush out. But really having a doctor or even an audiologist or a hearing practitioner look in your ears regularly and and manage it. Uh, if you keep on top of it, then you don't have buildup happening. My, my big problem, of course, is the seasonal, seasonal allergies mm-hmm. and the ears itch, the eyes itch, all yes. that. You can even use even um, your finger, a cloth on your finger, with even a little baby oil, a little moisturizing cream to kind of just wipe your ear on the inside. It make, gives yourself a little bit of relief that in that sense. Yeah. That yeah, I often find, I was noticing last week that uh, um, I have sinus problems and uh, my ear was feeling plugged, um, which is annoying for me because I need my ears. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, I yawned and uh, tried to um, equalize the pressure a little bit uh, that way, and it did seem to help, so I guess I'm lucky. That is good. Uh, You were explaining earlier as to how much uh, effort your brain has to overcome uh, when there is hearing loss. Maybe you might uh, tell our listeners what we were discussing earlier about that. Sure, absolutely. Um, we're seeing a lot more, like I had mentioned before, a lot more research coming out on how hearing loss affects our brain. Um, there's a portion of our brain that we use to process sounds and speech to understand. Um, when you start to lose your hearing, um, you have to try that much harder. So you're using more brain power to try to fill in the gaps when you have a hearing loss. Uh, the more energy you're using, the more other parts of your brain, through neuroplasticity, we start to take different parts of the surrounding area to use, uh, of your brain, um, to to hear and to communicate. Uh, and the more effort you're using, the less you have room in your brain to do other things. When we're younger and we can do 10,000 things at once, mm-hmm. um, you can think about doing you know, your laundry and what we're going to have for dinner and the shopping list I have or whatever it is. Uh, when you have hearing loss, you have to fill in these gaps and constantly try to hear. You have less energy to do those other things, like higher decision making. So that's why we're seeing some connection as to why is untreated hearing loss making such a connection between things like dementia and Alzheimer's. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What are the signs uh, that someone is uh, maybe having uh, the effects of hearing loss? It's uh, There's a lot of signs that usually it's other people that notice it first mm-hmm. versus the person themselves. Um, they start to the, turn up the volume of their television. Um, we're asking people to repeat. That's that's a, a number one thing. Um, but also people are starting to sound muffled or mumbling. Or um, you'll say, you know, turn and look at me and talk to me. 
that works. Yeah, there's there's lots of little signs. Um, and the first thing that everybody starts to notice is that they have trouble following conversation when there's a lot of noise in the background, mm-hmm. like at a restaurant or a party. Driving. Um, driving. Yeah, and especially driving because you're facing forward. I hope at least. Yes, uh, we um, hope so. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of little things when that that background noise really plays a role on trying to understand speech. And uh, maybe you might uh, mention your own uh, facility as to uh, what you do there and what you accomplish there. Mm-hmm. So um, I work at Hearing Life. Uh, we have two locations in Peterborough. We're all over Canada, actually. Um, I'm an audiologist there. Uh, we have, like I said, locations everywhere uh, in Canada, east coast to west coast. Um, and we're a facility that we treat hearing loss, we do hearing tests, we provide hearing aids and all the support and care afterwards. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, you could do uh, regular checkups for people that just walk in, maybe? Uh, we encourage you calling ahead because we, we do tend to book up pretty quickly. Uh, but we can do hearing tests on anyone of any age, both of our locations. We can do um, children as young as six months all oh, the way wow. up to... I think my oldest client is 103 years old. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so wow. Do, do you require, like, a, a, a doctor's a referral? No, uh, you don't require a referral call, at all. call ahead. Just give us a call, and we offer free hearing tests. So there's no obligation whatsoever. Um, if there's a hearing loss, then we will tell you your results, and we'll talk about it together and if we need to do anything about it further. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you're lucky that way, Devin. I was lucky. lucky. Yes, I, I was. I don't often get to give good news, so <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah. So I, I was glad to hear that uh, um, that I wasn't uh, suffering any loss yet. Because mm-hmm. I, I find that uh, my uh, family uh, seems to be prone to that sort of thing. And there's one sister, the one that's next to me, she doesn't almost doesn't hear you talking on the phone unless she's specifically listening uh, for something. But you know how when a conversation is going on and uh, you'll make uh, kind of the odd comment in between while she's even talking, she doesn't even hear, she doesn't seem to hear when, when I kind of comment on something she's saying while she's sort of speaking, well, while she is speaking. Um, Is that a sign of hearing loss? It can be. Mm -hmm. Um, We see there's different types of personalities of people with hearing loss. Uh, There are people who become very passive and they start to withdraw from Mm -hmm. the conversation altogether because they're not hearing, so they don't want to participate to say the wrong thing. Yeah. And then we have another personality where people do the opposite and they dominate the conversation. Oh, yeah. Because then they know for sure they know what's being talked about because it, they're controlling it. Yes. Uh, so it can be, not saying for sure, uh, but she should come in and get a check just to find out. Yeah, yeah, she should. There, I, sorry. There is a thing, though, that uh, some people are far more, shall we say, sloppy in their speech. And I don't know whether uh, an added uh, bonus of a hearing aid, especially if it's a partner, anything like that, uh, would come into play? Well, there's definitely people that mumble. There are people who do speak low or speak more monotone or speak or or do mumble. They don't speak clear. So people with a hearing loss, even the most expensive hearing aids in the world, can't always rectify or hear every word of, of that. Because there's two people in that conversation. That's what I always say. And the blame always gets 
put on the person with hearing loss. Yeah. Uh, but two people are, are communicating, so it's not always one-sided. And I suppose that one of the things that people say when others say, you really should go get your hearing checked, <laughs> uh, I know my mother said, oh, I'm just not paying attention. When I told her I thought she should go get her hearing aid or hearing checked, oh, I'm just not paying attention. It's a form of denial, I guess. It is. It can be. Uh, that's also ties into what I was saying earlier about how much effort it actually takes to hear. Um, when you have a hearing loss and it's taking, it's hard to fill in the gap. Sometimes it's easier just to forget about it and not even try. Yeah. And that's when people come saying, well, if I was focusing, I probably would have heard you. And that's true, mm. um, but because it takes more energy to focus on hearing. Oh, yes. And yeah. quite often, as you mentioned earlier, if you're looking right at the person, you're probably uh, reading their lips as much as Absolutely. hearing what they're saying. Absolutely. I, if we put even someone with a mild hearing loss in a test to actually do lip reading uh, to evaluate that, they're probably excellent. It's just what human beings do. We cope. We try to figure out ways to make sense out of things, and that's you just start to lip read without mm-hmm. even realizing it. And I think more people do it than realize that oh, they're absolutely. doing it. Eh? There, there are uh, schools uh, for the deaf, mm-hmm. and um, I believe there's one in Balville, is there not? Yeah, not the closest so. one and one in, in Milton. Is there one in Milton as well? Uh-huh. Anyways, at these schools, uh, apparently um, they are taught not only sign language now, mm-hmm. but also taught uh, lip reading or stuff like that. But um, are there, for example, operations and things like that that say if you were uh, in that category that might uh, overcome your problem or mm-hmm. a problem? It actually, surprisingly, is a very controversial topic. Um, the commu- The deaf community is very strong and they're very proud of being deaf and having their own, like I said, community and uh, amongst themselves. So for children, um, when they're growing up, they can often, surprisingly, a lot of children that are born deaf, their parents can be completely normal hearing and nobody in their family has hearing loss. Uh, So to decide how to raise that child, there's a lot of options out there, whether they want to be integrated with the average uh, child that is hearing Um, if we want to learn lip reading or if we want to learn sign language or which route we want to take there's a lot of options out there and a lot of different opinions on which works best uh, for the children well um, I've seen some people doing uh, sign language and it is really beautiful it's very beautiful yeah it's it's quite incredible to watch it and how expressive uh, they can be and how much they communicate just through the movements. It's 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 very beautiful. That's the best way to put it. And facial expressions too, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, it's not just a finger movement. It's whole body movement. Mm-hmm. The facial expression is just it's something to watch for sure. Both uh, Devon and I have uh, been at times to the CNIB for one reason or another. And we have met people at the CMIB that are both uh, sight handicapped mm-hmm. and hearing handicapped. And uh, like a, what we'd basically say, a double, a double whammy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very difficult. Well, Helen Keller, I believe, yeah. was one of those. Yeah. Yep. She was profoundly 
deaf and totally blind. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the way I feel when I'm in uh, a spot where there's loud music. I, I kind of get an idea of what Helen Keller must have felt like because I can't hear what's going on around me and I sure can't see it. Mm-hmm. Very challenging, <laughs> so, for mm-hmm. sure. I can feel it in your bones. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You feel the sound vibrating through you. I try to get out of there as soon as I can. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would like us to understand? Um, well, there's uh, one thing that our our company, at least, uh, we're are big sponsors of the Campaign for Better Hearing. Uh, Our campaign is an advocacy program where we're trying to have everyone get their ears checked regularly, especially over the age of 60. Uh, Trying to change the view that nobody really thinks to get their hearing checked until they have a problem. Uh, we want to try to catch people early and or even get a baseline. So if you get a baseline like Devin did, as you can see, and then in a couple of years we do another test to see if things are changing. Uh, so this campaign has been putting a lot of effort towards that. Um, and for every hearing test that is done throughout the country, uh, we donated $4 towards the campaign. And from that money, from that pool, we're able to then donate back to individuals who are less fortunate and provide them with hearing aids mm-hmm. when they're needing. Wow. And I, um, I think since 2015 it started, uh, they've done they've raised over a million dollars towards that fund, which is pretty wow. incredible. So that's a six over 600 people have been able to get hearing aids that otherwise couldn't afford them. That's great. They can be expensive. They're very expensive. I won't pretend that they're cheap. So if we can help anyone that we can, we want to do that. So anyone over the anyone at any age get a hearing test. We're just focusing right now over 60, trying to get those people regularly in. Uh, and just by showing up for a hearing test, that provides four, $4 towards that That's campaign, which is great. Yeah, it is. It's our give back program. Do you find that um, I hear a lot of people saying, I, I can't. I can't be in a noisy um, atmosphere with my hearing aid on because uh, I don't hear the person talking to me over and above the rest of the noise. Do you find that hearing aids are getting to be more discerning now than they were? That is the number one problem everybody has, absolutely, Mm -hmm. with hearing aids. Um, They have gotten a lot better over the years with technology improvement, Um, but hearing is so complicated, uh, especially in noisy situations. It's hard for hearing aids to read your mind, um, (laughs) to to determine who they want to hear and who you don't want to hear, which someone with normal hearing is able to do easily. You can block out people you're not paying attention to and then focus on others. Um, so hearing aids, there's still a lot of room for improvement in that area. They're, Like I said, they are getting better, and I'm excited to see where technology is going to improve there because that's the number one problem for everybody. My sister, sorry, Bob. I was just going to say, uh, if uh, someone were interested in getting, uh, say, into your profession, what would be the steps they would take? Uh, there's to be an audiologist. Um, it is a required that you do an undergraduate program at a university, and then there is a two-year graduate program. Um, there's one in Ontario at Western University where I went to, and there is another one in BC and the other in Halifax. So. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also such uh, professions like hearing instrument specialist. Uh, there's a lot more programs like that. Uh, it's a college program, uh, but there's still it requires schooling to be able to do to do this, and we have yeah. to be a registered 
uh, with our college as well. Mm-hmm. And their guidance uh, teacher, I guess, uh, somewhere along the line can direct them as to where they might uh, proceed on that? Mm-hmm. Audiology is a very uh, small field. I mean, like I said, there's only three schools in Canada. Um, so it's not as popular amongst uh students because it's not as well known because it is working with the senior population um so if there's more awareness on being part of this field even better for amongst students yeah i have a sister she's uh 94 and recently she and i'm nowhere near that by the way um recently she was giving given a hearing aid and she can attach a microphone if she's talking with one person. Do you find that that is helpful? There's a lot of extra accessories available that they're creating that is to aid the hearing aids, Um, things like that, like microphones. Um, So if you're in a noisy environment, you can use even an FM system uh, where you use the microphone and it goes directly into the ears. Uh, A lot of children will use that in the classroom mm-hmm. um, with the teacher's voice will go directly into their ears there's a lot of benefits to that yeah. um, but there's also a lot of fun stuff like bluetooth yeah oh yeah and hearing aids and rechargeable batteries and <laughs> and stuff remote controls and tv adapters there's a lot of things that they're creating to help <coughs> alongside the hearing aid but also make it a little more fun to use as mm-hmm. well. <coughs> and i understand that there's a lot of televisions now where you can uh, shape uh, the um, the kind of sounds that are coming from that television speaker. Mm-hmm, there is where you can adjust the bass or the treble, um, different things like that. So that's good to talk about it with your hearing practitioner as to what kind of hearing loss you have and how can you change your TV to give you the maximum benefit out of it. So does it all depend on what kind of hearing loss you have, whether you get a hearing aid that will go into the ear Totally, or whether you get one that fits behind the ear and that sort of thing? Absolutely. There's Mm -hmm. different pros and cons to both styles. Um, And based on your hearing loss, your lifestyle, your age, um, how uh, is your manual dexterity, lots of factors that play a role as to which ones you choose. When I was a kid, um, a lady that I was staying with had one where the... The uh, main box of it, uh, she used to fit inside her uh, brassiere. Mm-hmm. D- do they sell those anymore? Um, it used to be the, the battery component you'd have to carry in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not like that anymore. No. That's definitely not something <laughs> <No>. you need. <laughs> um, no. It's all in the hearing aid itself. Yeah, thank goodness. And most of them are little, very small button batteries that uh, fit right in. Not too big. I used to have a friend that lost hearing his hearing aids regularly because he'd bend over. He wouldn't have his hearing aid in, but he'd have it in his uh, vest pocket, and he'd bend over to do something in the garden. And uh, oh, it's out there somewhere. <laughs> Just getting fertilized by the plants. Yes, that's right. Well, that's it. If they're so small, and they are, that if you misplace them, that's a problem. And that's part of the problem, too. Um, the manufacturer could probably make them even smaller than they are. Uh, but when you get so small and you can't see them or manually put them in your ears yourself or change the battery, uh, that becomes a problem as well. Yeah. So finding uh-huh. that happy middle point is where we're at right mm-hmm. now. You were mentioning um, getting used to uh, wearing the uh, hearing aids. And uh, I'm not 
<laughs> wearing hearing aids today. And part, part of that reason is that I'm still not used to the highs that I hear mm-hmm. from those uh, hearing aids. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is with hearing, it's different, and just to compare it to eyesight, if you get your eyes checked and you're given a prescription, you get your glasses, and you can see better. Fantastic. And it's, it's, you might have to tweak the nose or how it fits on your on your face, but really it's pretty simple. Uh, with hearing aids, it's not that black and white. Uh, it takes time for your brain to adjust to the sound, to learn how to process the sound. Um, it's never that easy right away. Uh, some people take a lot longer than others to adapt to it. Um, I feel, personally, this is my opinion, uh, it takes an average of six months wow. for someone to be completely... The, on average, completely satisfied and happy and feel like the hearing aids are really doing what they're supposed to do. Comfortable, comfortable yeah. to wear and use. And use, and it becomes part of your daily life at that point. Yeah. That 94-year-old sister of mine, um, she complains that hers always ring. What could be causing that? That could be feedback, which is if you've ever heard someone's uh, hearing aid whistle because they're touching them mm-hmm. or they're buzzing at them. Uh, feedback is a... Actually, if you've ever seen like a band set up for a concert mm-hmm. and the microphone and the speaker are too close to each other and it causes that high-pitched sound, yeah. that's the same thing in a hearing aid. Uh, it shouldn't be doing it regularly. Uh, there could be something causing it, whether there's a lot of wax in her ears or something clogged or... It, sh- it shouldn't be a regular thing, so she should probably go back to see yeah. her her <laughs> professional <laughs> find out what's causing that. Yeah. Well, some also have a little noise uh, that kind of alerts as to low battery. They do. They, I pretty much all of them do. They they play a little tune uh, <laughs> to let you know the battery's starting to die. So it doesn't just shut off immediately. Second it gives goodness. you some time to to get the battery to change. And only the person wearing. The hearing aid hears that little tune? That's correct. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and I always yeah. make sure to play it ahead of time so people don't walk around the house trying to find where the sound is coming from. No. Because it's just, it's in their ears. They're not making it up. If somebody wanted to come in and um, um, make an appointment for a hearing test, what would be the best thing for them to do? Uh, they can definitely drop in or they can call uh, either one of our locations um, or we have a call center at uh, in Toronto with a 1-800 toll-free number um, that they can call. And, uh, and all they have to do is just say they want a hearing test uh, and we'll collect some information from you. Uh, we always suggest it's good to bring a guest to your appointment as well, if possible, uh, for multiple reasons. Um, sometimes we end up doing a demo with hearing aids, and it's nice to hear somebody else's voice that they talk to regularly oh, yeah. through mm-hmm. the hearing aids. Uh, but also, it can be a lot of information to take at once. So sometimes, especially if you do have a hearing loss, if you're not catching everything, it's nice to have somebody else there. Uh, to be a second set of ears. Mm-hmm. So that's just something we've started doing, and we see a lot of benefits from that. And that's that's Yeah. Great. Well, you know, uh, Devin, we're running on time. Here. I know, I know. So give me a phone number and address or something where people sure. can. Uh, so my location's on 824 Clonsilla uh, Avenue. It's almost directly across the street from the clearing house and where there's a fire station it's often easy to drive by us the way the trees are Um, and our phone number is 705-876-7188 
That's my location. And they ask for Kelly. And you can ask for Kelly, or you can talk to Carrie, who also, or Tammy, who works at the front desk, um, and they can handle everything for you. All right. right. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for coming. Uh, I knew that you'd have a lot of information for us. Well, we certainly learned a lot from that particular interview, as we do with all of the interviews that we do, but... I thought that was one that definitely was worth repeating. Uh, And, uh, you know, what do you do with old hearing aid batteries and indeed even old hearing aids? So I thought uh, uh, Kelly gave us a good rundown of what we should be doing with things like that. And to carry on that theme of recycling and... uh, putting other things to new uses, I got hold of Dave Douglas from the city of uh, Peterborough, and he agreed to come and chat with us about how to best recycle articles we as people with disabilities can accumulate a lot of old objects that we may store away on a shelf somewhere and then one day wonder what on earth we should do with this and how should we get rid of that safely and things like that. So I uh, chatted with uh, Dave Douglas and uh, here's uh, what uh, Dave had to say. I had a a whole bunch of questions that I, I wanted to get answered because You know, I kind of thought that we as people with disabilities should do our share to be kind to the environment. When I got thinking about all the things that we use, like uh, needles and puffers and batteries and goodness knows what else, I thought, well, you know, we should check this out. So I got hold of, uh, I was in put in touch with Dave Douglas, who is the manager of the Waste Diversion diversion Section So uh, from the city of Peterborough. So hi, Dave. How are you? Hello, Devin. I'm great. It's a pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you, too, and uh, glad to have you here to answer some of our questions. It's, it is my pleasure, and it's a real honor being here because as a Trent graduate myself, uh, a 30-year alumni. It's a thrill to be back. And in fact, when I was here in residence, I was in PR residence just out your back window. And ah. So I feel like I'm out of my, my old stomping ground. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. Terrific. Uh, almost like old home week. Absolutely. Were you one of those people out there uh, paddling during the head of the Trent regatta? Head of the Trent, yes. I did row head of the Trent a little bit and uh, the Bacchus events and all sorts. Yeah, ah. we, we uh, have some wonderful, wonderful memories from Trent University. That's great. So now, uh, speaking of, uh, of things that people with disabilities use, um, Dave, uh, batteries, is uh, they're one of the big things that we use either, you know, the hearing aid batteries or um, batteries for some um, tech, technical uh, products and that sort of thing. What should we do with our old batteries? 
Well, there's a number of options, and coincidentally, coming up also on the week of November 5th to 8th, there is the curbside battery drive, whereby we have the small little zipper bags that have gone out through uh, the newspaper to pretty well every household. They should have them, and we're encouraging residents during the week of the 5th to the 8th to place these, put their batteries inside these bags and place them on top of their fiber blue box for curbside collection so if that's convenient for people that's certainly one way and it's timely it's coming up mm-hmm. we also do offer uh, various locations where you can take where if it's uh, if people are able to to uh, drop off their batteries at our um our HHW facility, Household Hazardous Waste Facility at 400 Pidal Road, if that's convenient. At City Hall, we do have a little bin, uh, battery drop uh, bin as well, that people could put their batteries in there as well. Um, the Green Up store on Elmer is another location that people are able to take their batteries back to. Um, the uh, Kingham Home Hardware on Simcoe Street, the Peterborough Public Library, Shoppers Drug Mart on Lansdowne, wow. the Wellness Center on Breeley Drive, uh, and then we do, uh, as I mentioned, our annual collection, which is coming up in uh, in, in two weeks. Yeah. And how does that work? Do they come around with a van or something? No. These when when they're collected, uh, the curbside situation, uh, the collectors will actually have a separate container on the vehicle, and they will take these little bags and place them in the container, and they'll have a supervisor driving around and monitoring as the collection vehicle fills up. They'll be able to take them and offload them to uh, another vehicle, and then they'll take them to the facility where they're put into proper containment, and then they're properly disposed of downstream to. Uh, uh, recycling markets. Do batteries uh, create a problem with the environment? Uh, if placed in in the wrong stream, for instance, if they're put into the garbage stream and if they end up in a landfill site, they could cause some problems because there are the heavy metals inside them, which over time they would they would rust out leach, and yeah. leach out, create a problem. But uh, if they're contained properly and put into the right stream, they can go down to uh, recycling facilities and those commodities inside can be extracted and reused. Oh, wow, that's that's really good. <laughs> no problem that you never even thought about a few years ago. I no. Think. And think about how many things use batteries now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got two kids, my own, and, uh, <laughs> you know, we everything seems, if it doesn't have a battery in it anymore, people don't want to use it. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a real, real proliferation. Gosh, even the watches we wear, you know, have batteries in them and, and uh, clocks and hearing aids and lots of stuff. Our telephone, our cell phones. And some uh, batteries are used up more quickly than others, and they just collect. Yeah, and not even just the batteries, but when you mention cell phones, well, that's a whole category of materials well called electronic waste, Uh e-waste for short. And there is an awful lot of that material out there as well. And that material contains value because some of the circuit boards are soldered with silver. Some of the components have little pieces of gold in them and some rare earth metals. So it's extremely valuable. It's a very high... uh, uh, can be a very high proportion of what would have been the, the waste stream. Mm-hmm. And the other thing you ought to really be concerned about with your electronic waste is anything like a, a phone or your hard drive or even a printer has memory in it of things that uh, that you've got on it, and you don't want that getting into the wrong hands. No. And, uh, you know, 
identity fraud is is definitely an issue. So uh, if you can participate in e-waste diversion programs as well, that's wonderful. And again, at the uh, the Potter Road facility, the um, uh, the hazardous waste f- uh, facility, we collect uh, electronic waste. We also do a yearly um, event, uh, c- collection event, environment event. We're scheduling one for May again of this year, and we will see great attendance and thousands and thousands of pounds of old electronics, uh, old televisions, old computers um, will be will will be dropped off, and it will go to downstream recycling. Well, you know, with uh, it seems like planned obsolescence, uh, things are moving so quickly that things become also obsolete so quickly and have to be tossed, right? Yeah, I I agree with you. I find that frustrating. You know, I go, you buy a printer and it's about $40 for the printer and it's $150 for the cartridges. And then a couple years later, you know, what happens to your printer? You're out looking for new one. I agree. The the old days when they made things to last, that... uh, those are nice days. That's yeah. why I collect vintage items. <laughs> Do you? That, it seems to me that a yeah. printer ink is more valuable in some ways than gold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly the full ones. Yeah. And it's darn expensive, too. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. for sure. But anyway, you've been talking a little bit about batteries and collection of batteries. And um, you have, I know, a lot of paperwork there in front of you, too. Express <laughs> some thoughts. So go ahead there. Yeah, well, I, I certainly I, I did bring along some additional handout material that I that I'd like to pass along. But I know one of the questions was raised, uh, and it's an important one as well. And Devin, you raised it about uh, what do people do with um, with the dog poop and, yes. and the bags of dog poop, and do yes. they require a, a certain bag to contain that material? Well, here within the city of Peterborough, we do not yet collect uh, what we call source-separated organics, which is uh, your food waste material, uh, and and that will often also include uh, pet waste uh, in it. We are hopefully moving forward. We've been uh, successful in... securing a federal grant to help us uh, move forward with a uh, facility of our own. However, we're going through the internal approval processes, et cetera, so we're a few years out from that. So at this point in time, the dog waste material would be collected and it would end up, uh, unless you're you're dumping the the dog waste into the toilet and flushing it, uh, but then... uh, dumping out the bag. Don't put the plastic bag in no. the toilet. That, that'd be a problem. Uh, it would it would now end up in the waste stream. Uh, going forward, if and when we do proceed with launching this SSO food program, if the program were to allow uh, the dog uh, waste in it, we would be looking at a program that would also complement with a certified compostable bag. And these bags are made out of a, a basically corn-based bag, cornstarch bag. And they will fragment and mineralize in the composting facility and not end up with any uh, any uh, residue or any detrimental items that would affect the compost. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, at our area, the big uh, problem is that people will not scoop and, you know, uh, take care of... Scoop and scoop. Yeah, yeah, their dogs that way. Yeah. And some are big dogs. <laughs> yeah, like um, my Frankie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here with Frankie now. He's yes. a very big dog. He is, yeah. I'm, ha- I'm glad he's friendly. No, oh, yes, he definitely is. Um, 
the so if we were to dump them uh, like the contents down the toilet, uh, the um, it wouldn't cause a problem with a city sewage. Well, just don't dump the bags no. in. No, it's just fe- fecal matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, compostable bags are available now, are they? From no, tip it, well, you may see them in pet uh, pet supply stores mm-hmm. now, but typically those products, because they may have a shelf life of a year to two years maximum, because because they're corn based materials, the the retailers will put those products into the local stores when they know that there's a program in place with uh, a centralized collection. Okay. So when we move forward, we would be engaging with all of the retailers to ensure that they change what's called the planogram. It's the store listings Mm -hmm. to put the right product into the stores at the right time so that residents are able to purchase them and use them. How about our our council and mayor? Are they forward-thinking in that way? I think we have a fantastic council and mayor, yes, and I think uh, they're, they're very in tune with environmental issues, as are the general public right now with uh, the whole concerns about climate change are yes. everywhere. Uh, look at look at the um, um, the student protests that are going on, you know, and mm-hmm. look what little Greta Thunberg has, uh, has, has uh, been able to achieve with uh, activating people. I've been in the environmental, my career span, I graduated from Trent in 1988, and I've been in the environmental field since then, and never to this day have I seen such an engaged uh, public towards environmental initiatives. And I think, you know, as we sit here on election night, I'm sure you're going to see that plays into our general election tonight as well. It's certainly become um, a point of uh, contest, if you will, with the... uh the election process as it has come along certainly has become more predominant. I heard recently that the climate was actually the number one uh, electoral issue that people were concerned about. Yeah. So now I have been uh, getting people to save bread bags and um, the outside of milk bags, and those are bigger milk bags. Uh, I suppose I'd I'd best uh, move on to the bags that... You can get from the pet store. Oh, for for Frankie, yeah, for Frankie here. <laughs> you think a, do you think a, 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 one of those bags would be big enough for Frankie here? He's a pretty big dog. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. Presently, that that's fine because that bag's going to end up in the garbage stream right mm-hmm. now. Um, when the program is implemented, and there will be lots of notice as far as if and when you know this, these programs go forward, that yeah. that would be when you would, if you were looking to segregate it into the, uh, we call it the green bin at the right. curb, right. that is when you would start to channel those, those bags into that stream. Okay. Now, I want to get back to batteries. Um, one question that I had uh, for you was uh, you often hear about Batteries uh, combusting spontaneously. Starting uh, fires. Sorry? And starting fires. Yes, yes. And I wondered if that is a problem. 
Well, yeah, and I think it's the lithium-ion batteries that are okay. what uh, what we're hearing about, and certainly those. Uh, you know, my my son had one of those hoverboards, and they were talking about these mm-hmm. these hoverboards that were uh, batteries were spontaneously combusting and, and burning, and and certainly that was a concern, and and I think that came down to the quality of uh, of where these batteries came from and who made them. So so nevertheless, absolutely, there's there are what we'll call substandard products out there, mm-hmm. and I think like any anything you're going to want to make sure you're, you you take proper care of that uh, and control because um, you're right these things would would have could have a have a charge to them and if uh, if they were to uh, uh, connect in, in you know in a large container they could cause a, a spark and I don't think uh, I don't think anybody wants to hang on to uh, large quantities of these I think this is why they should you should regularly make sure that if you're accumulating this material you're not hanging on to it in a closet or in your garage or somewhere in your house that you're actually just taking them properly. And, you know, this is probably a good time as we're coming up to the time change and people yeah. are changing the batteries in their clocks. The then Smoke detectors and all that. Smoke detectors. Yeah, yeah this is the time. to. to why, why would you accumulate them if uh, there's no use for them anymore? I think you want to get them out of your house. Right. Okay, that's a that's a good idea. Wasn't there a a, a problem with uh, a certain uh, cell phone brand? Samsung. That they were, yeah, they were melting down or something with the battery problem. Yeah, exactly. Whether I I don't know personally what was attributed to the cell phone bat melting down, whether it was the battery or not. One would assume that was probably a likely cause. And you know, my there, my wife had the Samsung. And again, I was kind of looking at that just as I was looking at my kid's hoverboard <laughs> saying, geez, I'm glad I've got a fire extinguisher in my house. Right. Yeah, handy. really. But Which is a good point. That's a good point to have yeah. one. You definitely have a fire extinguisher in your house. And, you know, as we mentioned about making sure that on each floor you've got your uh, fire uh, alarms and your, your smoke detectors and your mm-hmm. uh, CO2 detectors. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Um, what about um, inhalers and puffers? You know, you you get down to the bottom and there's always a little bit i think in in the bottom and that sort of stuff what do you what do you do, what should people do with them uh, yeah, and that's a good point. Is when there's not when things are not completely used up, and there's always remnants in the bottom, and and what happens to that? And we call that the residue, right? Mm-hmm. And and when it gets into sites, I think that if you're if you're going back to the pharmacies and buying new ones, maybe you can if it's half full or such, take it and see if they're able to deal with that. Um, I would. Uh, um, if if it's the metal uh, canister, you know, and it's totally empty, you know, it could you, you could look at bringing it to our HHW facility mm-hmm. as a downstream disposal. But um, yeah, that's and, and the same goes with pills and pill bar. When people have excess pills and they don't they don't tend to use them all, it's mm-hmm. like you know you want to make sure that you're disposing of those properly back to the pharmacy because you're not you don't want to dump those down the drain. No, and, and the same with needles. Needles, yeah, absolutely. Needles are, are, are another issue that you want to make sure that they're they're handled carefully. And and um, you know there are there are ways to dispose of uh, needles properly as well. Um, certainly, there the way to handle the needle. You certainly don't want to be using your uh, your bare hands on that. You would use gloves and then tongs and put it into a hard container so that it's that it's and seal it. Um, the um, 
fire station on Lansdowne has a needle drop-off spot uh, for for people to take them. You know, you could take them back to pharmacies as well. But those are one thing. Do not put those into the recycling, into the blue box stream. If we see those on the lines, the line is shut down and we have to basically remove all of the contents because of the the concern of uh, potential needle pricks. That's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And you know what? It's, It's a lot of time, a lot of money, and then it's it's also a lot of wasted resources that would yeah. have been uh, could have been potentially diverted from landfill. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's for sure. And uh, uh, pharmacies now have what they call sharps containers that you can purchase if you use needles on a regular basis, like for insulin and that sort of thing. So uh, containers like that would be good to have around, and then you could just take it uh, back to the uh, pharmacy and, uh, and when it's full and exchange it for an empty one. Absolutely, and I encourage that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about uh, batteries and uh, some of the problems that are that are uh, maybe an issue with handling batteries or the waste of batteries? Uh, no, I just, you know, like, like you say, I think more and more products are uh, have batteries, and, and you just want to make sure that at the end of their life that you're, handling them and downstreaming them properly. And again, you know, if, if you've got this bucket in the corner of your house and you just think it's kind of cool just to keep filling it and look how many you got, it's not so cool. It's best just to get rid of these things. Yeah. Very good. Thank you so much for coming, Dave, to answer some of those uh, questions for us. That's terrific. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. And uh, I'm sure that at some point we'll have another chat along the way. And, uh, you know, if there's ever anything that you think of, like uh, your uh, battery collection week. waste, electronic waste. Yeah, that you want to mention to us, by all means. For sure. And if any of of your listeners have any questions, you know, if they want to send you into the questions, and you can send them along to me, and I'll address them. Hopefully I've been able to answer uh, uh, most of your most are all of your questions now. I am uh, relatively new. I've just taken over this role as of early August, so I'm still getting my feet feet on the ground here myself. But um, I'm excited to work with uh, with the community and the residents and all of the uh, the stakeholders involved in the city of Peterborough. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, thank you very much. I should have mentioned that that recording was from. October 21st of 2019. Our archives have very memorable interviews and recordings, and I'm awfully glad that saving things in archives is something we can do, because there are all sorts of occasions that you can listen to various shows again and get even a little more out of them than you got the first time. Well, that just about does it for Insight Peterborough today and this week. I hope that uh, you'll be able to join me next week. Thanks so much for listening today and I'll look forward to seeing you again next week. Have yourself a good week, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now.